It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. He's back from his tour around... Tennessee, Drugi won four games against uh, some tough Florida and Tennessee opponents with Doogie as the main. Uh, are you like the main coach or are you kind of a, what, what is your role in youth baseball now, Doogie? My role is to not yell at the umpires. No, I am okay. not the coach of his tournament team. I did help coach his in-house team. He plays on multiple teams, which is a good thing, right? At this age, just get as many reps as possible but for this Tennessee trip I was merely just a bystander somebody that was in the crowd trying to control my emotions which I did very very well but trust me the missus had to nudge me a few times saying control yourself don't say anything can we find a role for Judd on the coaching staff Judd coaching coaching third or something (laughs) Judd can do that in fact so First. we ended up losing to a club team from North Carolina, the Carolina 35s, in the quarterfinals. We then watched their semifinal game against another club team from North Carolina. Long story short, the first base coach of this Carolina 35s team, actually it was the other team. It was Select Blue from Burn, North Carolina. It doesn't matter who. The first That's base true, coach had to remove himself. I give him credit. He removed himself from the situation because of bickering from parents off to the side. I think he oh. knew if he had stayed in that situation, he would have done something really, really stupid. Uh-huh. So he signaled to the dugout, removed himself, had a different coach go coach first base. I love wow. it. Wow. Wow. The Good tension. These youth baseball. Oh, yeah. So were the parents getting on him? It was back and forth. Yeah. I mean, there was all sorts of It was weird. Do? I'm telling you because. You clapped. This Carolina team took kids from throughout North Carolina. Droogie's team is from like a five-mile radius here in the West Metro. This Carolina 35's team is almost like a renegade team, but that's okay. There are no rules in this Cal Ripken experience. You can pluck kids from anywhere. Heck, there was a rumor that one of the teams from North Carolina had a kid from Michigan. But yeah, that's yeah. okay. Like three that's kids not from the Dominican the Republic. Go grab yeah. some kids from Puerto Rico. Yeah. You know, my, what's Doogie, Christian Guzman doing here? <laughs> my brother lives in Cary, North Carolina, which is where USA Baseball is too. So it's it's all those kids are loaded with baseball talent all over the dang place. It seems like big time. But I'll tell you what: to beat three teams from Florida, I mean that. Yeah. You know, I mean those kids just to get all the work they get in ten months of the year, maybe even twelve if they're nuts. But Certainly 10 months a year. To me, the arm needs to rest for at least two months. But they're outside nonstop. They field the ball so well for so for our boys to play at a really high level in those games. It was 
It was a cool experience. The Great Smoky Mountains, great part of the country. So it was a good mix of baseball, but then entertainment. Dollywood, Gatlinburg. I took a tour of the University of Tennessee. Went to a Tennessee Smokies game, the AA affiliate Mm -hmm. of the Chicago Cubs. Is down in that region. In fact, I saw Cade Horton, who went one pick before Brooks Lee, 2022 draft. So he was the seventh overall pick by the Cubs, signed for $4.5 million. He made his double-A debut last week. He is the real deal. Now, if he had somehow gotten to eight, I reached out to somebody with the Twins because I was curious as I'm watching this guy, Horton. I said, hey, if Brooks Lee had gone seventh, would you have taken Horton eight? It sounds like no but they were big fans of the Oklahoma pitcher. He was, I'm telling you, a joy to watch that night. Well, uh, next time, maybe the whole show can come along for some uh, Smoky Mountain scoops uh, next time we do this. But let's get into some Vikings discussion here, Doogie. And since uh, I think people have been waiting for you to empty your bag of scoops now for uh, a week and a half because you took you took uh, a week in the Smokies last week. So let's start wherever you want to. The Dalton, uh, Dalton Reisner made a visit. That's kind of cooled off now. Uh, there's been some Kareem Hunt internet rumors. He's visiting with some teams, but the Vikings also, they even watching camp, like they could definitely use another body at running back. So where, where do you want to start with Viking scoops? Well, sure. I'll take it from what you just said there, Phil. So on Kareem Hunt, even before this early week New Orleans visit, I had multiple people tell me, hey, look for him to end up ultimately with the Saints. There just hasn't been any Viking steam on Kareem Hunt. That being said, I would not be shocked if they eventually make a move. Let's see how Thursday plays out. Let's see how these joint practices with the Titans and Cardinals play out. Maybe Ty Chandler, who had a very good practice on Monday, is my understanding. Maybe he keeps ascending that he should be that number two running back, the second-year guy from North Carolina. But it is possible as we get closer to final roster cut-down day, late August, early September, that they make a move for a veteran running back. But there just hasn't been any Kareem Hunt steam. So there's that. On Dalton Reisner, my understanding is that ship, to use the cliche, has not sailed quite yet. Now, as of yesterday late, the Vikings had not extended him an offer. So as of now, there really isn't any momentum But the Reisner side really enjoyed the visit, sees the clear fit. The Vikings offensive line coach, Heck, was at Reisner's wedding. That's the sort of relationship those two guys have. Reisner would love to sign here, but also wants to get paid. And so dialogue sort of continues. It's not like they're talking on an everyday basis, but as long as the player is still out there, there is still a chance, but I'm just telling you, as of late Monday, the Vikings had not made him a formal offer. Then you have Ronald Darby, the free agent cornerback. He also was in town last week. My understanding also on that front is that ship has not sailed, but much like Reisner, no formal contract offer had been extended as of at least Monday afternoon. I can't tell you deep into Monday, but Monday afternoon, my understanding is no contract offer had been made to Darby, but let's see how Blackman plays the next few weeks. Jawan Williams. So I'm just saying, you know, the best free agent cornerback. I don't think there's much of a debate on that. If you look at the free agent cornerbacks available right now, I think it's safe to say Ronald Darby is atop that list, that there still is a chance the Vikings make a move there. But I'm just telling you, as of late Monday or Monday afternoon, just no formal offer had been extended. From the... 
Reisner perspective, Dukes, um, have you heard any scuttlebutt about what I would guess might be a key point that goes even beyond the actual term of the contract? And it's this potential playing time and what the role would be, because, you know, clearly when you bring Reisner in, you're sort of fessing up that you're concerned. That's not like a guy that, you know, they signed a couple of tackles or something like that, but this is an established guy who I think has started every game he's played at left guard for the Broncos prior to this season. Do we have any idea about what the thought process might be or if they are willing to tell Reisner, at the very least, I would think that he's going to get the ability to compete, let's just say right now, at left guard with Ezra Cleveland. Yes. I mean, there was no sort of during the visit dialogue that suggested, okay, Dalton, if we end up signing you, you are promised to start. It would be more of a competition. Now, he did play some tackle in college, but in the NFL, guard. The Vikings bring him in. It would be as a guard, not as a tackle now on Ezra Cleveland contract year my understanding is there hasn't been any sort of dialogue on a contract extension I'll continue to say Ezra has been a good soldier but coming out of Boise he was a tackle you can make more money as a tackle my understanding is he hasn't given up hope that at some point he's able to transition I've heard playing tackle Yes. Right. So what is the future of Ezra Cleveland? Is he here in 2024? Could you make a move now on Ezra if you bring in Reisner? I don't think, I'm just telling you, my sense is this doesn't have anything to do with Ed Ingram. It doesn't. Like logic would tell you, okay, you know, started every game last year as a rookie, but struggled at times that if you were going to make a move on the offensive line, it would be at right guard, not left guard. But my understanding is this isn't Ingram-related. So my sense is it's way more Ezra Cleveland-related. But I'm telling you, I mean, without a contract offer, maybe the Vikings are happy with what they've seen the last few days from Ezra Cleveland. Okay, I don't think that's the case, and here's why. Phil was at the practice as well yesterday, full pads practice. The Vikings dudes are going very hard, especially compared to a year ago. And part of it is because, and this is not a bad thing, Brian Flores' defense is challenging them, and – I think Phil will back me up in saying from the practices that he's been to, and especially yesterday, I think it's very clear the Vikings could use some interior offensive line help. Like the quarterbacks were under duress, and I don't think the tackles are a problem. But I think as far as the blitz schemes go and the pressure, um, that we that that if it hadn't yet, Phil, I think yesterday crystallized why there's probably at least some concern about the guards. And with with Ezra Cleveland, for instance, I don't know. So he's never been great in pass protection. I don't know at this point if that changes a lot. I feel like when you've been, when you've taken three years worth of reps in the NFL, like Bradbury made a little bit of a leap, but he's still much better as a run blocker than he is a pass protector. Ezra Cleveland's the same way. I don't, I don't think those guys are going to all of a sudden become elite pass protection interior offensive linemen. And I don't know that we need to see another like full pads practice to validate what we've seen for years in the actual games. So, like bringing bringing right this is it's almost like the you know the twins do this where well where would we you know we've got our lineup set you know where 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 would we even put Paul Goldschmidt? Not that that's what Reisner is by the way, but you know I feel like the Vikings are they're almost clinging to what they hope the interior offensive line could be rather than just fixing it. 
So, but the thing about Reisner Doogie that I want to ask you is why is he even still available? Why would, if, if he was, it's not like he's old, right? He's coming off his rookie scale contract. He's in the middle of his prime here and he's just not on a team on August 8th. That's a huge red flag to me. It is, although Dalvin Cook isn't on a team. Well, but, but he wasn't Clowney available in March as a free agent, you know? Isn't on a team. So it's a selective process. I get it. But if you don't sign in that first or even second wave, oftentimes you wait, you see if an opportunity arises. And so as a vet, a guy that's working out on his own on the side, it's not like he needs some sort of six-week ramp up to the weekend of September 10th to be ready. Like he could sign with a team on August 15th or August 20th and especially a blocking scheme that he's familiar with and in all likelihood would be okay. But I get it. I mean, any free agent on the street right now on August 8th, Phil, I understand it. You're right. There are some red flags. Like why exactly are you not in a camp on August 8th? Like if you're a good player, you should be on a team right now. Now you can help me. I've not looked at the PFF numbers. How good of a pass blocker? Is Reisner much better than, according to PFF, much better than Ezra Cleveland, and so okay. Ezra Cleveland yeah. and Ed Ingram allowed the the most and second most pressures of any guard in the NFL last year. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, I want to say off the top of my head, Ezra Cleveland allowed like twenty five quarterback hits. Reisner allowed six, but they're they're but they're the inverse because Reisner is not a very good run blocker out in space, according to PFF. And uh, Ezra Cleveland is. Ezra Cleveland's a really, really good run blocker. And the Vikings have moved to this. They're going to probably run some heavier personnel out there. They've got Josh Oliver out there on a regular basis, you know, moving bodies around. So if the Vikings want to lean into running the football, why would they replace Ezra Cleveland with a guy that can pass protect but can't get out in space? So those are sort of philosophical questions they would have to figure out, you know, what direction. You're you're not going to get a perfect guard at this point. so. Do you want one that can pass protect better? I would tend to lean toward give Kirk the best chance to sit back there and find Jordan Addison and uh, and Justin Jefferson. But I'm not quite. I agree. I mean, I would no make count. the move on Reisner. I would do it. Now, it's easy for me to say that, you know, not knowing the specific numbers, one-year deal, multi-year deal, you know, all those intricacies. But I would make the move. That being said, I will give Cleveland credit. I cannot stress enough. I'm telling you, he'll never say it publicly, but that guy wants to be a tackle. He just does. But the team needed him at guard. Yeah. He made the transition. Heck, I'm sure even years into this, he's still exactly learning how to play left guard. That there's still stuff he doesn't have figured out. That he's more a tackle. And so I'm sure he'd love an opportunity. There's a team out there. You know, I mean, I don't know what trade terms would look like, but I'm just saying for a guy entering his contract year, if you don't think he's going to be here in 24, there's a logical replacement. You could make a move. Maybe that allows you to keep, you know, low or some other offensive lineman as you start to project the 53 man, maybe a guy you don't want to expose the waivers. Rick Spielman moving tackles to guard. I just, I could go on, but I won't. Um, I, <laughs> I Holy smell a, I oh my god, just it's so stupid to think that guys can just make that move. Um I don't know what to make of this, Dukes, but I am going to at least pull the alarm halfway because I find it intriguing. This TJ Hawkinson thing, which um thank you. 
which started to percolate last Thursday in the team practice at the stadium when he took part in individual drills and full pads and then didn't take part in team, sort of odd. Um, they didn't practice Friday. Saturday, uh, at the end of practice, O'Connell, we asked him just off to the side, you know, is this contract? What's going on? No, I would not expect KOC to go into chapter and verse. But he said he's got an illness he's dealing with, and, you know, it, okay. Um, that's Saturday. Sunday, we didn't have access. Monday, we did. TJ Hawkinson back out there in full pads again, but then didn't take part in team and went inside. And I'm sorry, but I can't help but feel like this might have something at least. I'm not saying he's not sick, but I'm not, but I feel like this might have at least something to do with the contract. So, what can you tell us about what is on the precipice of uh, feeling like it's going to become a soap opera with uh, what's Hawkinson doing today? The where's TJ thing? Well, I will tell you, my sense is Neil Cornrich, his representation definitely took notice of the Cole Komet extension with the Chicago Bears. Now, Hawkinson is worth more, but when talking about $30 million plus, what was the exact number, $31 or $32 million guaranteed for Cole Komet? Now, hey, I don't study the Bears. I don't have deep knowledge of Cole Komet, but you look at the numbers from last year, and I get it. Chicago had all sorts of issues, but it's not like he produced very much. Yet they are paying him, and I get it. Their cap situation is different. Heck, they had to spend some money. They still do, I think, to hit the salary floor, right? So it's apples and oranges in some ways. I understand that. But I'm just telling you, my sense is Neil Cornrich definitely took notice. Doesn't want this thing to get to March. Would like to avoid the Vikings slapping the franchise tag on Hawkinson. But I'm telling you, from a business standpoint, the franchise tag for a tight end is incredibly reasonable. It is not crazy. Like the Vikings could slap the franchise tag on Hawkinson and play that game. But this front office doesn't like to use the franchise tag. I'm speaking specifically about Rob Brzezinski, some guys that have been there, Ryan Munnin, some guys that have been there for a really long time. There just isn't a history of this front office using the franchise tag, right? But I'm just saying, if you had to go down that path, it's not crazy. But all I know, Judd, You know, I don't know about the illness. I mean, I would think just logically, like if you're sick, why exactly are you out there in pads? But I don't necessarily have any deep knowledge to suggest that KOC was lying to us, even though Journalism 101, why is this person lying to me? I don't necessarily have my tentacles up on KOC lying to us about an illness. But I do think there's more going on there. I'm not like you ready to sound the alarm bells on August 8th. I still think the two sides, both sides would love to get an extension worked out. So you would think that the two sides can eventually come to a happy medium, right? So I'm not ready to to sound any sort of alarm bell. But yes, I just, I can sense that Cornrich definitely took notice of that big commit money. I don't think it's that tough. Like, you know, I know PFF, some others have tossed out four years, 64 million with, you know, what is it guaranteed? 38 to 42, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, you need to go higher than commit, but like it shouldn't be all that tough to work out a four-year extension. So I just know that that's something that both sides would still like to get done at some point. Yeah. Um, Hey, real quick, before we keep going with this scoop session here with our guy Doogie from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department, we have launched something new and what we think is really cool for you guys, the listeners. 
starting today at scorenorth.com slash shop. So we've had the merchandise store up for like, I don't know, the last 10 months or so where you can buy your Score North hooded sweatshirts before I die, everything else. Now, when you go to scorenorth.com slash shop, there's two things for you to click on. There's the merch store and the collectible store. We have Scornorth collectibles like this one, Judd. Well, there's two things Judd's going to really like right now. These are all up for auction right now, and these are going to change out on a regular basis. You can get uh, uh, 10% off, and I'm sorry, these are buy it nows, by the way. These are buy it nows. 10% off all products at scorenorth.com slash shop, the collectibles section, with the promo code SCORE. There is a Justin Jefferson, it's a signed and framed photo of him catching that pass in Buffalo with one hand. It's one of the most incredible photos. It's signed, and there's multiple available. There's a, uh, Judd's favorite movie is Slapshot. There's a Slapshot cast signed blue hockey jersey. So, like, the cast signed the jersey, and you can get that. Uh, There's a Kirk Cousins signed and framed photo. There's all sorts of amazing things. TJ Hawkinson as well. So go to scorenorth.com slash shop. And then there's a collectible section that you can uh, click on. For the YouTube audience, you see some of the stuff right here. Uh, there's a Miracle jersey from 1980. Just some amazing stuff, and we think you guys are going to love this. So, uh, and, when you, and by the way, obviously, when you buy products from uh, our store here, then you help us grow our business, and you help us uh, keep the lights on here at Score North. So we're, uh, we're pumped to unveil this today, and we hope that you guys go in and uh, find some stuff that you enjoy. Also. Doogie is looking better now than he has in a long time, thanks to MN Fat Loss. Tell the audience, Dugs. Absolutely, Phil. MNFatLoss.com. Now six weeks into my journey, down 14 pounds, doing it all natural. There's no prepackaged foods. I'm not counting points. There's no hypnosis. Nothing crazy. In fact, I got sidetracked, right? I'm on this trip in Tennessee. It was inevitable when I'm around a bunch of friends, all of Droogie's teammates, parents, right? We had some late night conversations, enjoying some adult beverages, right? We went out for a good meal or two. That's what happens when you're on vacation. So I got sidetracked a little bit, but now back in the Twin Cities, back home, I'm now back on the plan. I feel energized. Even just two days back fully on the plan, mnfatloss.com, I feel great. Think about today. I had to get up early, drove Droogie to the Hopkins basketball camp. I ran into Tim Connolly of the Wolves there yesterday, bonded with him. Zeke Naji is there, NBA champion from the Denver Nuggets. So Droogie had to be at the camp early this morning. TV-wise, I'm working late. It's a busy sports night. The Lynx in action. Minnesota United playing tonight, a round of 16 game. I'll keep an eye on the Saints with Royce Lewis in the lineup. The Twins, I'll get home like 10.30, 10.45. Then I need to watch Hard Knocks, right? So I'll be up until midnight <laughs> or 1 a.m. In fact, thank you for the reminder. Hey, Siri, remind me I need to record Hard Knocks. need to DVR Hard Knocks. So I need energy for the rest of today. Well, mnfatloss.com helps me with that energy. Many patients lose 20 to 30 pounds in about a month or two. For your free private weight loss consultation, call 763-312-7600. 763-312-7600 or schedule online at mnfatloss.com. That's mnfatloss.com. If I can do it, trust me. You can too. Dr. Adam Schatzko, D.C. Results may vary. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Awesome. Hey, if you have any more Viking stuff, feel free to throw it out there. Otherwise, uh, this is the first time we've talked to you since the Twins did nothing at the trade deadline. So if you have insight into and it worked, by the way, They've won like every game since, and so they're very motivated. But uh, yes. any other okay, Vikings so stuff when we can get two to other Vikings uh, notes. So lots of buzz about Ivan Pace Jr., yeah, the undrafted yeah. free agent yeah. linebacker from Cincinnati. The Vikings beat out the Titans for him, so his signing bonus was somewhere in the vicinity of two hundred and forty thousand dollars. The Tennessee Titans also made an aggressive bid; they were trying to secure his services. So the Vikings beat out the Tennessee Titans, who will be in town next week, join practices than the preseason game at U.S. Bank Stadium. So the Vikings beat out the Titans for Ivan Pace Jr. The Vikings beat out the Arizona Cardinals for Jawan Williams. We wonder, okay, will Williams, when the Vikings are in the nickel, will he be on the field? Byron Murphy Jr. moves inside. A Caleb Evans outside on one side. Who is outside on the other side? Or is it Makai Blackman? Maybe Blackman moves inside. Murphy Jr. stays on the outside, but Jawan Williams, the former second-round pick out of Vandy, the free agent signee by the Vikings a few months ago, the Vikings beat out the Arizona Cardinals for his services. So those are the two Vikings notes I had hanging there until we transitioned to the Twins. On pace as well, Dukes, um, it's worth noting that uh, starting on Saturday in practices, Ivan Pace Jr. getting a a lot more run. First-team linebacker, Brian Osamoa, now playing second team as well. So they're sort of switching. I'm not saying it's decided yet, but there's no question that that, that has – I don't know if the intention was for, for that to be a competition from day one at training camp, but that, that has become a competition, which says, I think, a lot about what they paid Pace and his play. But I also think it speaks to some concerns about Asamoah's picking up the system quickly n- enough because, believe me, as Phil can attest, this is a complicated – like, if you're not on top of your keys here, you're going to be screwed. So it's definitely worth noting that I think there's a fighting chance that Pace actually wins that job by Jordan Hicks and Asamoah, not as big a factor as we initially anticipated. Stay on top of your keys. Very possible, although don't you think come September 10th – you had to bet right now, Judd – September 10th, U.S. Bank Stadium, Vikings against Buccaneers. I think Brian Asamoah is out there. I really do. I think if Brian Flores doesn't trust you completely, it's going to spell trouble. Because there's no – you. I mean, this is as multiple of defense with different fronts as you can possibly get. Football. Brian Asamoah at times in practices looks like he is guessing at where the, at, at what gap to get to. And, like, if he's right, he's good. But if he's wrong, he's screwed. So, um, yes, I, I get what you're saying, but I also think Brian Flores is a complete wild card in this whole thing of what his expectation. You could tell September 10th his expectation is 
I'm not going to hold back, and we're going to hit the ground running. And if you can't, I think it's trouble for that player. Okay, quick Reisner update before we transition to the Twins. Live update. Text Real time. Coming wow. in. We have a live Whoa. update. Whoa, we have a live Ship Whoa. hasn't yep. sailed. That I said a few minutes ago. Breaking news, Sounder. The Reisner camp, though, at some point here, relatively soon, will have to make alternative plans. So they're not mm. going to just sit back and wait for the Vikings to make an offer for the next two to three weeks. But right like now they go. But right here, now they are the kind of. Day, but at some point here soon, they will transition elsewhere. They're forcing a deadline. That's what they're doing. This might get done quick then. Yeah. They're forcing that deadline. I love this. And they're using our guy Dukes to do it. Dukes wow. is the middleman. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully I can get some commission on that. <laughs> you deserve uh, yeah. it, my friend. Yeah. Can you get, uh, is, is, is it going to be like a real estate situation where uh, you maybe you guys can split the commission 50-50, see what happens. Uh, okay. So the twins, you know, they, um, I think we all kind of understand why they didn't they didn't have a huge cupboard of prospects anymore they've traded so many the last few years and they're they didn't want to move brooks lee for this team that's struggling to stay above 500 they also decided not to move a sunny gray who's going to be a free agent so um how would you sort of characterize what happened did they why not add a reliever you know what why do nothing i guess is the question yeah and my sense is going back to last tuesday that they did not come close to completing any trade. I'm with you, Phil, knowing in that moment that Alex Kirilov was dealing with this shoulder injury, that Brock Stewart had yet another setback. Why wouldn't you add a bat? Why wouldn't you add a reliever? There were guys out there to be had. So I am disappointed in this front office. And if it eventually gets to a 26-man roster crunch, so be it, right? Like Royce Lewis starts his rehab assignment tonight in St. Paul. All right, he could be back with the Twins as soon as next week. Well, what's the move? Would you DFA Gallo? Or I think more logically, they go down a pitcher. So right now, I think it's 13 pitchers on the 26-man. Yeah, They would go down to 12 to add Royce. But I'm just saying, if you had to make a move, Right? What's wrong with DFAing Gallo? But my understanding is this front office isn't ready to admit its mistake on Gallo. Not well, ready. I mean, but 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 where does he play? Like, when everyone's healthy, he's not even close to the lineup, right? Yes, but right now Kirilov. So Kirilov gets this cortisone shot. He hasn't picked up a back to swing. So we're still looking at a while here. For Kirilov, this isn't, my sense is, this isn't a season-ending injury. But, like, you can't just have Donovan Solano as your first baseman. So, right now, there's a clear fit for Gallo to play first base. But if he's not producing offensively, like, what's the point? It's not like he's a plus defender at first base. Plus defender in the outfield, okay, I get that. But not like he's a plus defender. He's not a negative defender at first base, but... I don't think they're ready to say, okay, Donovan Solano play first base every day until we wait out the Kirilov injury. So I mean, at least, I mean, they Donovan are not Solano. ready. I'm just saying they're not ready. Just like I told you weeks ago, they never came close, even though we were on board with some sort of move with Kepler. I'm just telling you, the front office, it like wasn't even in their realm of thing. Like it never came up. Like, oh, should we DFA Kepler? You know, should we explore some trade possibilities? Like we said it. Now, to their credit, look how well, good Kepler's been. They were right. For the last month. They were right, yeah. 
right? So, I mean, they're going to wait this thing out on Gallo, I sense. I'm just saying, when they activate Lewis, I think it's way, way, way more likely they go down to 12 pitchers versus DFA and Gallo. They're not going to make a move on Luplo. But I just think there was a better righty bat out there. Somebody now, my understanding is they did have dialogue with the Mets on Tommy Pham. But there were some character red flags. I mean, we know the obvious, the fantasy football. Good. Super weird. Yeah. Snafu, that guy's, that guy's right? a weirdo. But yeah. Just not. And I'm telling you, like I said this with Aroldis Chapman. You know, they've learned with Logan Morrison, Lance Lynn, Sam Dyson, right? That you can't just bring in anybody into that clubhouse. So my understanding is the more research they did on FAM, that there were some character red flags there. So I don't think talks ever got real far with the Mets. So I'm just telling you, going back to last Tuesday, I did a social media post at Score North on X. That's what we're calling it now, or the old Twitter or whatever we want to term it. But like in that moment, it was 9 a.m. Eastern time in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, 8 a.m. Central. I said, hey, the Twins aren't close to a trade. But over the next eight to nine hours, as we approached the 5 o'clock Central deadline, I thought they would do something. So I was surprised, but I'm just telling you, in the end, my sense is they never came all that close. Now, some guys they had some interest in, Teoscar Hernandez, Ty France, some others, weren't ultimately moved. But I'm just telling you, like going back to last Tuesday, it doesn't sound like they ever came real close to making a move. Um, On Buxton, do we think this is a a normal IL stint, a longer one? And do we have any inkling, Darren, about what they are going to do when when he – gets back are they going to put him back in the dh spot and it's his again are they going to try to rotate that spot which i think is the ideal thing to have some flexibility there but uh this buxton thing just continues to be a problem and you know it's very clear that not not only can he not get into the outfield but because of the residual problems from the knee they can't even keep him on the field as a, a dh now so like this is this is crossing a very interesting threshold but just for the short term, what's your sense about where this goes when he returns? Or yeah, I mean, returns? longer than 10 days. Yeah, the hamstring injury, yeah, longer than 10. I don't know the exact number, but this isn't a 10-day stint, then right back in the lineup. So he's going to need at least a little bit more time. So let's see how it plays out over the next handful of days. I like what they did on Sunday with Ryan Jeffers yeah. at DH. That if you want Vasquez's defense in there, and hey, a case can be made, okay, He's the better defender at catcher, right? So you have Vasquez at catcher, Jeffers at DH. I'm not opposed to seeing that the next handful of days. So let's see how it plays out over the next seven to 10 days, Judd. But I can tell you, you know, the headline to this talking point is Buxton will need more than the 10-day IL stint. Mm. Ron Gardenhire's worst nightmare when he would, he'd have Mike, Mike Redmond catching, Joe Maurer would be DHing. And, oh, my God, what happens in the one in a thousand chance that, like, you lose both catchers. And so he'd always have that third catcher nearby. Maybe that's what the Twins need. Chad so Bowler could, would dude, be right there. Morales? He would, right? yes. Jose Morales? Yeah. Was that there there was a Jensen? lot of slappies. A lot yeah. of slappies. Dude, dude uh, Ryan Jeffers, I know he hasn't. he's not, like, an everyday player this season, but he has, like, a 900 OPS. Yeah. He's legitimately one he's, of their two or three best hitters. What's his war? Have you looked at war lately, Phil? Where does he rank on the war list? Let's see here. He has to be up there. I mean, his last like 30, 60 days, he is tearing the cover off the ball. Yeah, since about June 20th. Yeah, if mm-hmm. you go back to June 20th or June 21st, 
The numbers so, are oh, off the this? charts. So heading into this season, in three previous seasons, he had been worth a total of 2.1 wins above replacement for his career. This year, he has equaled that. He's been worth 2.1. By the way, anything just for context, any, if, if you're a two-win player, you are a, a good, solid, above-average player. A zero-war player would be you are a replacement-level player that you could just call up you know, a quad-A player from the minor leagues to replace you. So think of uh, like Matt Tolbert, Alexi Casilla. Those guys were sort of replacement-level players. So Kyle Garlick, right? Replaced Kyle by Garlick. Jordan Luplo. Yep. So uh, Ryan Jeffers is on pace to be like a three wins above replacement player, which would be incredible for a platoon catcher. A platoon catcher mm-hmm. being worth three wins above replacement is pretty awesome. So good to see. Where does that rank? Him. Any guys on the, on the Twins ahead of him? Let's check it out. Let me check Fangraphs here. So among position players, he leads all Twins position players and wins above replacement. Nice. There you go. It goes uh, Ryan Jeffers. Edward Julian is at two wins above replacement. Willie Castro at 1.6, even with some of the... Dude, that guy's stolen 28 bases, too. So yeah. he's actually... Well, think about it. He barely played in April. It's like yeah. all since May 1st. Yep. And then it goes Donovan Solano and Max Kepler are tied. So your top five position players based on war, Jeffers, Julian, Castro, Solano, Max Kepler. Now, this is a cumulative stat. So... You know, like like Kirilov would be in here if he had a hundred more plate appearances, but he's been out with some injuries and stuff. Um, and the same would be true for Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis. What's Correa? Been, What's Correa at right now? Oh, Correa is eighth, so he's been worth point nine wins above replacement so far. Wow. This is the worst season of his career. Yep, he was good last night at least. Yeah, he he broke out last night. They need more of that. So, Dukes, uh, this is great here. We're, we're, we're glad to have you back in the fold. Any other final scoops in your bag before we say goodbye? Yeah, one on the Twins. Well, two on the Twins. So, people have asked me, hey, have the Twins approached? They did it with Michael Pineda. I guess they did it with Chris Paddock, although he was pre-ARB or ARB, right? He wasn't an outright free agent. But people yeah. have asked me, hey, have the Twins had any dialogue about extending Tyler Malley? That he's in all likelihood going to miss all or most of 2024 that you would pay him to rehab during the 2024 season then have him in 2025 bottom line is no not saying that those talks don't eventually happen but to date there has been zero tyler malley extension talk sean johnson who runs the twins draft is at the area code games it's a busy stretch right now scouting 2024 draft prospects on gophers men's basketball the kid from lithuania that will join the team Christoufos Kinas. He told me he landed at Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport last night. So he is here in Minneapolis ready to join the Gophers. Gophers football, good feedback early in camp on transfer wide receiver Elijah Spencer from Charlotte. The Gophers are deep at the receiver position. Craig McDonald from Minnehaha Academy. He should find out in the next 7 to 12 to 14 days on his waiver, the transfer from Auburn can play big nickel, safety. There is optimism that he will be eligible this year, but he hasn't officially heard yet from the NCAA. Nothing new on the Jada McDaniels front. I mentioned I ran into Jada McDaniels extension front, but there's still months to go. There is no hard deadline here in a week or two. I mentioned I ran into Tim Connolly at Hopkins High School yesterday. He told me he was in Vegas last week watching Ant 
and Nas Team USA, the U.S. Select Team. And he will travel to the Philippines later this month to watch all his guys in the FIBA World Cup. So you think about all the Wolves playing over there. Mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns with the Dominican, Rudy Gobert with France, Ant with Team USA, Nikhil Alexander-Walker with Canada, Kyle Anderson with China, Luca Garza, Bosnia, I forget I what country so. he's playing for, but Luca Garza is playing. Then you've got Spagnolo, who's not officially on the Wolves, but Wolves property from last year's draft. He's playing for Team Italy. Plus, there is a chance that Nas, if Team USA needs a player called up, there's a chance that Nas could get that call. By the way, on Jaden McDaniels, I checked on this because I was curious if he was ever in the mix to be on the U.S. select team. The answer is no. For whatever reason, the answer is no, but I still think his ceiling is very, very high. I love him for the next few years. Doogie, did I see a thing from Johnny K that he is still growing? Jaden McDaniels is still from getting K. bigger? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, He's I like haven't six checked foot on that specifically. Now. I actually always thought he was like 6'10", 6'10 and a half. I don't know what he was officially listed at, but yeah, I don't know if I ever knew he was quite 6'11", but yes, that is the word. But you know what? Like it was a year or two ago that we had heard that Anthony Edwards grew an inch or two. That turned out to be not so true. And so I, who knows? I mean, he's a big man. I can tell you that, you know, he's not like, you know, Hercules strength wise, but in terms of length, Jada McDaniels has it. So yeah, I mean, heck, if he's measuring in at 6'11 now, maybe he's got some new shoes that give him an extra half inch boost, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I just love him, right? I mean, he can guard a lot of threes. He can guard some fours with that length. So I'm telling you, the Wolves would like to work out an extension with him. I still think when both sides are motivated to get a deal done, much like Hawkinson, that a deal eventually can happen. But the deadline isn't until close to opening night, mid-October. So there's still plenty of time for the two sides to work something out. He bought stilts. He comes in on stilts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm eight foot five now. Oh my God. I have a metal hand. Amazing. I'm loving, I'm telling you, I love him though. I'm a big Jaden McDaniels fan. Still baffled yeah. that he fell so far in that draft. Great stuff, Doogie. Great scoop session. Thanks. Good All right, to boys. Be back here. Good to be back. We'll Absolutely. do it again on Thursday. I like uh, it. Our guy with uh, the inside information about your favorite local sports teams here on Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd.